Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today, we're going to talk about offending people <laughs> for fun and profit. What, so, Rochelle, this was your idea, and I love it. So maybe you can sort of put it in context. Well, you know, I think sometimes, you know, offending people is, is a good thing in the in the broader scheme of marketing, where, you know, you take a position and you consciously turn away the people who don't fit with you. And, you know, the idea for this actually came um, over the, the weekend. We, uh, we uh, released a new website and one of the employees of the company came back to the owner and said, oh, we have to take this phrase out because we might offend someone. And that phrase was very carefully calibrated to their ideal audience. And they caved. They took it out. It's what made oh. them different from everybody else. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, it's time. You need to offend some people. It's time. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, it's funny because when we first talked about this, I was thinking you meant in the, con the client context, and we can talk about that too. But I could not agree. It's so depressing that they caved. Yeah. Uh, the, so the, the thing... And, and we're, I'm glad you used the word offend because I usually, when I talk about people's websites and how they're not really doing anything for their business, it's because they're too bland or too generic. They don't have a point of view. They don't take any risks. They are super generic, high level. You know, we help smart clients solve hard problems with technology. And it's like, bleh. Mm -hmm. It's just like a soggy diaper. And I'm, I'm like, and I, but, so I love pushing the needle all the way vocabulary wise to the word offend. Cause if you're not offending someone or if you're not, let's say, let's say you're not turning someone off, then you're not turning anybody on. Yeah. Oh, that's a great quote, Jonathan. Well, we need you. to tweet that. We need to tweet that. <laughs> so the idea and it, with, with, Here's an exercise that I go through with people when they do a sales page, and it, you can see it, and I'm guilty of it still at times, but you can see it immediately when they use the word if. So when somebody is writing a, a, some sort of marketing piece, let's just say it's a sales page for an ebook, and they start off with, um, if you, you know, have this kind of experience, then you should probably read my book. And I'm like, no. Just assume the person on the page does have that experience and talk to them. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if anybody who doesn't have that experience is reading the page, you lost them already anyway. Right. So get rid of the if and just assume that some sub-segment or some segment of the traffic that lands on this page is exactly who you want to talk to. So you don't have to say if because the people mm -hmm. who matter, already you're already grooving with them. And mm -hmm. the people who don't know what you're talking about you know, you're probably not offending them, but you're, you're, you're definitely turning them off. They're like immediately like, oh, this isn't for me. I, I have none of these experiences. This is not speaking to me. I don't get this. This is not a book for me. And that's good because they probably wouldn't like the book. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. But the notion of, this is, so, this is so comical when you really put it, when you say it, the notion that the book's not for everybody and, and, embracing that fact and putting it on a sales page terrifies people because they think it's going to decrease the number of, of happy readers, but it won't. 
It, it doesn't. And, and, you know, the book, a book is a great example because, you know, sometimes people say, oh, there's no other book like it. Well, you actually want other books like it because it means there's a market for it. <laughs> you know, your take is a little bit different and your market is never everybody. It's never, never, never everybody. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So if you think about, I, I suppose this is true for you. It's, it's certainly something I've observed where certain people in my life, we, we have the same taste in movies, but not the same taste in books. Uh, we maybe have a different taste in just a million things. But there are certain people who, is, who are like my go-to people for good movies. Another, another mm -hmm. di different set of people are my go-to people for good comedians. And <clears throat> I'll be like, it's kind of like that. Like you, if somebody reads my book and just loves it, and I don't want them to, to just tell the whole wide world, hey, this is the best book ever. That doesn't even make sense. Like that statement doesn't make sense. It, I, when someone says recommends a book to me, I want to know why they liked it. I don't know if mm -hmm. I trust this person's opinion about books. Maybe, maybe they like books I don't like. Maybe they like movies I don't like. Maybe they like comedians I don't like. So I want to know why. I want to know that the book is a good fit for me before I you know, buy it. And the bigger investment is the time to read it to get to the end and find out like that was okay. But what was this guy so excited about in this book? I don't get it. It's because that person who read it was in a totally different place from me. So in your marketing, I think it's, I think it's, I think marketing is a much more noble profession than it gets credit for because what it, what it does is it, it's kind of like a filter through which only the people who are going to rave about your book pass. So, you know, if we stick with the book example. So if you make your, your page sort of, uh, you know, offensive to people who would not like the book, repel, you know, to repel people who probably aren't going to have like a light bulb moment or just, just absolutely love it and put it on their wall. If you use your marketing as a fil to filter those people out, and then you'll have a more concentrated group of people who, you know, think you walk on water. Well, marketing is like the connective tissue. I mean, done well. That's really what it is. It connects the idea to the people who are going to love it. And I, I like your use of the word filter, too. It's That's part of what, what we're trying to do is to filter out the bad fits so you can focus on the good fits. Because who wants to waste time with people who aren't going to get it? And, and you know, a sales page is, is a great example. And then you you compare that to actually having a conversation with somebody. And all of a sudden, you're spending an hour on somebody who's a bad fit. That's not a good use of your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Like if we take it one step farther and think like, oh, okay, uh, sales conversation and, you know, think about consulting service or something like that. And, and you know, I mean, you could... Uh, this conversation exists. Like I, I know when I talk to people, pretty much everybody will talk about the concept of red flags when they're first getting to know uh, a potential client. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they choose to ignore them and move forward anyway because they need the money or whatever, or it's like a, a, a marquee brand that they just want to put on their website. Sometimes they'll ignore the, the red flags. But I think going a step further and, and just... I, I, that always ends wrong. It always ends badly, though. <laughs> I, it's so so rare for somebody to ignore red flags and then have a great experience. To take the the concept or the logic of sort of filtering people out on your sales page by talking directly and only to the people who are going to have a you know home run from your book. 
you can take you can extend that directly to a sales conversation and just the whole time on the on the call you know once you determine that it's not looking like a great fit just kind of be like you know i don't i don't really know if this is going to be great uh, i don't i don't feel like i'm going to be the ideal person to provide mm-hmm. this service to you and just sort of send them away so i it's pretty hard to you know quantify that as offensive it's certainly not offensive you can certainly be polite about it but if you are well, okay, let's, let's, let's look at the word offensive a little bit here. How polarizing do you think is too polarizing? That's a, that's a dumb question. How, how, like, at what point do you personally think being polarizing is too much? Well, I think it depends on the person. I mean, I really do. Like, what's polarizing for, let me say it a different way. You might be able to withstand something more polarizing, Jonathan, than I would. Um, maybe not. I mean, it might depend on what we're talking about exactly, but it's, I think it depends on, on the person. So I've worked with clients who are very comfortable. I'm thinking of one in mind, very comfortable with having a contrarian stance and arguing for it, holding his own, again, not being offensive as a person, but taking a very strong stance that a a number of people are not going to agree with. And then I've had other clients that are very uncomfortable doing that. They might do it one-to-one in terms of deciding whether a client is right or not, but they're not the ones that are going to go out there and stake their their claim on something that is very polarizing. Mm-hmm. They just they just can't get there. Mm-hmm. It, it does. Yeah, that's an interesting distinction because I've stopped being uh, – no, I wouldn't say stopped. I've, I've really toned down <laughs> – my for a long time on Twitter, I would be super provocative, and you know it's a short format, and I would just make this sort of blanket statement, and then and then see the thread that came out of it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was going to tick people off, like duh. So people, so people responding <laughs> that like that's going to make people mad. Like no kidding, that was the idea. <laughs> so because I want to stimulate the conversation and see what the sides of the story are, but after a while it got to a point where I don't know if it was the number of people on Twitter was increased so much or the, the type of people on Twitter, but you, after a while it got exhausting for me personally because the signal to noise ratio got really, really intense. So you just get people like, you know, it's just, just, you know, I wouldn't be attacking anyone in particular. I'd say something like, Oh, I don't know. The web is dead or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just let people take that how they want to take it. And, you know, certainly people could just ignore me and be like, what a clown. Uh, but a lot of people wouldn't. And then after a while, it just turned into, uh, you know, not surprisingly, I suppose, it didn't didn't turn into like an intelligent thread. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I, so I see the difference between between something like that in public and like a one-on-one consultation with a potential client or even a client that you're consulting with because there's so much more nuance to the the uh, communication medium that you can simultaneously tell them their baby's ugly but in a way that they know you you mean it in the best possible way <laughs> like you like I because I care about you I'm going to tell you something you don't want to hear Mm-hmm. And you can get that across one-on-one. It's virtually impossible to do that in many other formats. Well, and I always argue that's part of being a consultant is if you can't tell somebody their baby's ugly, then you're in the wrong profession. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn how to do it and, and deliver it differently depending on the client. But you've got to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I'm in the midst of doing that now. We're looking at some um, book covers, and um, they the client went back to the designer and asked them to make some changes. And what came back was so ugly. It was scary. The beginning was beautiful and the update was ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just finished telling them their baby's ugly. And I, you know, you got to do it. You told the designer or the person who's the author? I, I told the person. It's really not the designer's fault in this case because the author went back and gave them bad feedback. So I'm stepping back in and it, it, it'll come out fine in the end. But, you know, you just have to tell them that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So to, to loop back to the the marketing at the marketing level and not one-on-one stuff because I'm really, sure. I, I think that this is when people, if people think about it, I think it's the least difficult to accomplish. If you, if you think about, um, you want to send a message in your marketing that is going to be attractive to the, your ideal buyers, like the people who you, you right. just do your, I think you said, do your, you operate in your genius zone with. Mm-hmm. You know, people you're going to do your best work with. And if you or if you just assume that everyone reading your uh, website and I like this particular situation because they're anonymous, you don't know who they are. You don't have a chance to interact with them. They're just anonymous masses on your website. Obviously, not all of them are going to be a good fit for you. So you might as well, if assuming you know who your ideal buyers are, let's just assume that then you might as well talk directly to those people. And even better, if you know, like if you have a customer avatar, that's great. But let's say you have a, a ideal client, who, like a particular, like Tom, that when I worked with Tom, that was the ideal client situation I ever had. I'm going to write my website to Tom mm-hmm. and just do the whole thing like that. And it'll be super specific. It's going to click with other people like Tom automatically, and it's going to automatically repel people who are not like that. And the, and the idea, I'm curious about the, the, the person who said, Oh, we might offend people here. Did that person literally mean offend or did they mean turn off? Like send, like, Oh, they might not buy if they read this. Or did they mean like somebody was going to send an injunction? Well, I don't think it was, it wasn't the injunction level, but I, I think he, I think he did mean offend because what we were trying to do is clarify that the audience is, a uh, quote unquote professional, which we used to mean um, doctors, lawyers, business executives, business owners. And um, because they'd had a couple of clients who were not in those professions, they were worried that they would offend them that, oh, we only work with this special category and you're not in that special category. So he really meant offend. I am shaking my head so hard. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel it all the way in California, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, do you? I, I, here's here's a full on offend. I'm not going to say the person's name because I don't know if this was public or not. But it's a, a very prominent figure who makes lots of money. You know, think somebody like Gary Vee, but it wasn't Gary Vee. You know, they're they're they have a, a big online audience and they sell a lot of stuff online, and this was sort of behind the scenes kind of conversation. And he said, you know, look at, look at all my stuff. I make fun of stupid people. I'm constant. I use big words. I, I literally call people stupid because I don't want stupid people buying my stuff. And wow. Yeah. And I was like, huh, well, (laughs) 
that's a perfect example. I, I think that's a, a good example of both offensive <laughs> and filtering yeah. in your marketing. Yeah. It, it does make sense though. I, it's kind of reminding me of, I mean, does that, you think that's too much or do you think that that's? Oh, I think it's totally too much, but I, I also think it's, it's rather genius. I mean, if there is a big enough audience of people who don't like stupid people and don't mind calling other people stupid, then really he's defined his, his, not his niche, but he's defined an element of his market in a very specific way. And would I do it? No, <laughs> I would never do that. But for him, I mean, you know, it's obnoxious and he certainly turned me off. So I wouldn't, you know, he's not going to waste time with me. Um, I don't think I'm stupid, but I don't like <laughs> right. calling other people stupid either. Yeah. It works on two so, levels. Yeah. Yeah. So on the one hand, you know, from a purely branding standpoint, it is genius because it matches up with his personality and his preferences. And so just from that lens, it's really hard to argue with him. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know that I would, I wouldn't want to work with him, but I, it's hard to argue with, with that. It, it, it's, it's a way to do it. Right. And look, and look what you just said. He's going to attract the kind of employees that he wants. So, yeah. so, and this, this, uh, I'm slowly coming around to this. And I think this example is the, is a, is the, the sort of bridge to it. It's kind of like you might as well be yourself all the time. You know, it's like, and we've talked about yes. this in the past. It's like, it's like, I remember this is, this is a very, very early memory for me, but I read, I think it was in Reader's Digest. If <laughs> I mean, to tell you how far back it was, it was like this story about this kid. So the kid was growing up now and the kid was writing the story, but he was telling a story about his dad, who was, I think like a financial advisor type of person or an accountant. And, and the kid, the story is the kid and the dad are going fishing on like a Saturday and they've been out in the river and they're just covered with fish schmutz and they, you know, they're, they're in the waders still. And on the way back, the dad's like, Oh, I gotta, I have to stop at one of the, you know, one of my clients. He's got a question for me about his business. And the kid was like, you know, the dad normally went to work in a suit and tie and, and he was like, but you know, how don't we have to go, don't you have to go home and change first? And, and, the the dad was like no they you know they they know me they know that i do this they you know they understand that it's a saturday and all that stuff and now that i'm now that i'm retelling the story i know that i'm missing a key piece because the takeaway for me and the and the moral of the story was uh, was just be yourself and you'll turn off the people who you're not a good fit with and you'll attract the people who you are so being phony is it's just like a, it's like a, a vicious cycle because you're automatically going to attract people who don't like the real you. Mm -hmm. I, I like I like the fish schmutz idea. Right. If if somebody likes you with fish schmutz, you know they're your people. <laughs> right. I, I know I'm missing a piece of the story because I, I, now I want to go. Now I'm going to Google like crazy after this. See if I can find it. But the idea, and we've talked about this before, it's like, you know, it doesn't mean constantly swear. It doesn't mean like talk to your clients the way you talk to your wife or, or spouse necessarily, but, you know, but be yourself. Like, don't be phony. Don't try to be like, because I see all the time, because I work with a lot of soloists, they're like, oh, should I, you know, should I kind of like pretend like my contractors are my employees? Like, should I pretend like I'm a big firm? They don't put it like that, but they're yeah. basically like, yeah. like, should I do something like this to kind of make it look like I'm a big firm? I'm like, no. 
Yeah. You see that a lot on on websites in particular where you have a soloist and everything's we, 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 we. And it's like, that's just a way not to own what you're talking about. Right. Like maybe maybe being a soloist is going to be your point of differentiation. Like yeah. for very high levels of expertise, sometimes, you know, people have been, people want that. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're just as a society, at least in the U.S., we're at the point where it's not a bad thing to be solo. In fact, it's to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, why hide behind that? Yeah, you're going to find out anyway. Well, and I think the other thing, um, I, I don't want to forget to mention the whole uh, image issue. And image, I mean, I mean photographs, um, pictures versus you know, greater sense of image. So when you have a website or when you're putting materials together, those images should reflect the real you too. Um, you know, when I um, uh, changed my website a few years ago, I, I had this main picture of me in a leopard top <laughs> and a little short sleeve leopard top. And um, I had this woman I'd known, a consultant for quite a while, and she called me up in very hushed tones and said she had something to discuss with me. And it turns out she was worried on my behalf that that was really a risque picture that I should have a jacket on. <laughs> That I really shouldn't be wearing. It made me think of the Michelle Obama moment. You know, I really shouldn't be wearing, you know, just sleeves. And and it wasn't even sleeveless. They were actually sleeves to it. And so I very patiently explained to her that this was part of my brand that was about creativity. And I really wasn't trying to attract corporate executives with this shot. And, you know, and she got it eventually. But I I had to laugh because I thought I never, I, I didn't, at the time, I didn't consciously think using a photo of me in a leopard top with no jacket over it was going to <laughs> offend a portion of my audience. And afterwards I went, yeah, I'm really glad I did that. Yeah. In my mastermind, we call those concern trolls where mm-hmm. they, they see somebody doing something that they wouldn't personally do or somehow threatens them or and then like in this the most passive aggressive way they say like oh i'm afraid i just need to let you know that yes that's probably going to offend someone oh yes and and in the, in particular this one sent me the an email first saying would it be okay if I was candid about my reaction? <laughs> and then it's, and I said, sure. This is so manipulative. What am I going to say? No, don't tell me the truth. I don't want to know. Right? right. And so, and so I said, sure, just shoot me an email. She's like, oh no, we really have to discuss this by phone. <sighs> and then she was like really difficult to capture. I was like, I, by the time I actually talked to her, I was actually really ticked off. Um, <laughs> I just, I was like, really, you're going to make me work this hard for your feedback. I really don't care in this particular instance. I just uh-huh. didn't care. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a good lesson. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's in fact, that's, that's what we talked about this in the past about the, the photography on my site and about being yourself and, and, and me being like, Oh, I got to reshoot those. That's not me. You know, yep. I would, I you know, unless I'm at a funeral, I do not have a jacket on. Mm-hmm. So, well, and it's it's balancing that. There's a there's a photograph on on my site uh, as a testimonial, and um, he's uh, he's an ad guy, and he's actually wearing a full suit and tie, but he's got a really unusual stance, and he's adjusting his cuffs, and it's I mean for him, 
and I, I didn't have anything to do with this photograph, but for him, it was brilliant <laughs> because it exactly captured the whole advertising. This isn't going to be the way it always is, but he wanted to show that he's used to working with big, sophisticated clients and sitting in a boardroom when he needs to. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's finding that reflection of who you really are. And if somebody's offended by it, good. It's not your audience. Right. Exactly. It's fine if it's not for you. It's for other. It's for these people over here. I mean, that's a total. This is a total Seth Godin thing. Mm-hmm. Find your people. Yeah. Is that a good note to leave it on? Should we look? What have, what have we learned here? Be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we had a Mister Rogers moment here. <laughs> it it is true. It's be yourself and don't be afraid to turn off the people who are not your good fits. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That's one. That's an action that you can take right now, dear listener. Go to your website right now, and and look for this, this sort of uh, wavering of audience, wavering of focus, and you can and just look for if you look anywhere on your site for where you say if you, and then just mm-hmm. delete it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And and I think the other piece, that's a great, great advice. And then when you're looking at it, also make sure that you're talking to the consistent, same consistent audience all the way through. True. Well, yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, unless you have, you know, some, some particular audience and you send them to a particular page, make it the same person you're talking to for the whole site. Yeah. That is another thing. If people be like, if you're like this, go over here. If you're like that, go over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, pick one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next week for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye.